Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org. This week's message is by Jennifer Roth. Good morning. My name is Jennifer. I am one of the pastors here on staff. I'm going to invite kids to come forward, and I think there's probably still some of you here, even though many were in the choir. So if you're here and you would like your fruit snacks and a front row seat for the movie clip that we're going to show, come on up and we'll get going. I see some coming from the balcony. We have plenty of time. Come on over. While they are coming and getting ready, you can just sit right here on the front of the stage, and Mr. Jeff has some fruit snacks for you. Don't miss those. Come on up. So while they're coming, let me set the stage a little bit for you. We have been in a series on the Chronicles of Narnia, and today we are looking at a book called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. And if you're not super familiar with the whole series, you might not know The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, so let me tell you a little bit about the storyline. So the storyline here is that Edmund and his sister Lucy and their super annoying cousin Eustace Clarence Scrub are headed back into Narnia. But this time, they don't get into Narnia through a wardrobe, and they don't get into Narnia through by the blowing of the magic horn, that was Prince Caspian. This time, they get into Narnia through a magic picture. There is a picture on the wall at Eustace's house that comes to life and draws them into what is going on in Narnia. And in that place, we're going to discover by this movie clip what um, ended up happening to them. And I don't want to start the clip until everybody's down the stairs because it's going to go a little bit darker. So everybody's got it. Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Edmund, Lucy, Peter and Susan didn't get to come to Narnia this time because they've gotten older. So Edmund, Lucy, and their super annoying cousin, do you remember his name? Eustace Clarence Scrub. You'll see in this clip why we call him super annoying, although he does change by the end of the book. Okay, here we go. Here's how they get through the magic picture into Narnia. What's going on here?
So the ship's name is the Dawn Treader, and their adventure in Narnia this time is going to be on that ship. So here's a question for you kids. If you were Edmund or Lucy or Eustace, and you were on that ship, where would you hope that it was going? Where would you hope that ship was going if you'd just been sucked out of your world and into theirs? Yeah, where would you hope it was going? To the North Pole. The North Pole, uh-huh. Campireville. Tell me again. Campireville. Okay, camp, very nice. I see a hand over here. Where would you hope it was going? Yes? Hawaii. Hawaii, me too. Disneyland. Disneyland, definitely. It's a safe place. A safe place, right? I'll be right there. Yes? The deep area. The deep area. Do you like to swim in the deep end at the pool? Yeah. Okay, where would you hope it was going? Dubai. Dubai. <laughs> I have not heard that all weekend. Where would you hope it was going? Antarctica. Antarctica. And I see one hand down here. Where would you hope that ship was going? Um, to the beach. To the beach. Sure. Okay, I'm coming back. But here's the second question. On that ship, once they were on board, they went to several different islands and had all sorts of adventures. Most of them were a little bit scary, things that they hadn't done before. So here's my question for you. What's something that your mom or dad is afraid of? Ready? Okay. So, you had a chance to think? What's something your mom or dad is afraid of? Yes? Uh, my mom is afraid of heights. Heights. Mm-hmm. To the beach. Oh, yeah. Still, still going on the ship to the beach? Very cool. Okay. What's your mom or dad afraid of? My mom's afraid of... Uh, Snakes. Snakes. Good woman. Yes. Rats. Rats. Us getting lost. You getting lost. Uh-huh. I see you over here. My screams. Your screams. I could see that. I am coming that way. Yes? My mom's a snake afraid. Afraid of snakes. Yep. Yes. My dad's afraid of losing me. Losing you. All right, yes? My mom's scared of spiders. Spiders, me too. Volcanoes. Volcanoes? Tarantulas. Okay, tarantulas. I'm coming. Snakes. Worms. Worms. Okay, I'm coming down here, I heard you. My, I'm, uh, I'm scared of spiders. Mm-hmm. My dad's afraid of pulling out tooths. <laughs> Tarantulas. Tarantulas, okay. My mom's afraid of me falling off my quad. Okay. Afraid of tarantulas. Tarantulas. My mom's afraid of people um, surprising her. Oh, surprising her. I have a story to tell I probably shouldn't tell here about that. My mom's afraid of sharks. Sharks. Snakes. Snakes. Okay, last one right here. Um. He will go to the woods and hide. Oh, if you'll go to the woods and hide, yeah. Okay, so kids, thank you for answering my question. And as a bonus, I will tell you the story. She said her mom's afraid of people surprising her. My son surprised me once and he was so successful that I punched him in the stomach. <laughs> I, he jumped out at me and I just, it was reflex. But he's okay. It was, 
and he doesn't surprise me anymore. You guys, thank you for coming up. Thank you for answering questions. What I'd like to do before you go is to pray a blessing over you, okay? So if you just let the fruit snacks be still for just a second, and I'm going to say a prayer for you before you go. Father, thank you for these kids. Thank you that they represent a body of believers here where there are families who are coming to learn about you. And God, as these kids face life that is their own adventure, I pray that they would know that you are present, that you love them, that you care about them, and that you are powerful in their lives. God, we bless them with courage and confidence and wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, take all your wrappers with you, please, and your extra fruit snacks, and head on back to your parents. And I'll get resituated up here. You know, I love preaching on Kids Choir Weekend because the energy is great and the worship is fabulous. And I hate preaching on Kids Choir Weekend because I cry. And I just, I've come to accept that that's the way Kids Choir is. As a matter of fact, last night I cried because my kids used to be in Kids Choir. And my oldest is going to college on Saturday. And it kind of sideswiped me. I wasn't ready to come to church and have that hit me. Oh, somebody cares about this, and I would love for you not to be distracted later. Is there an owner of a red Mustang who would like to claim it? You are free to come get it, and that will not be a problem or interrupt the sermon. I'll put it right there. Okay. So last night during kids' choir, all I can picture, there's these cute little cherubs up here, and all I can picture is my six, three-year-old, 18-year-old, and my six foot five, 16-year-old, and their 12-year-old sister back when they used to be in kids' choir, and I just cried and cried and cried that he was going to college this Saturday. But super glad to be with you today, super glad to be talking about the voyage of the Don Treader. And it's all about sailing into the unknown. As we set up the story, after the kids get on the ship, Caspian and the captain are telling them where they're headed, and they've been at sea for about a month, and they say this, I hope to see the Lone Islands the day after tomorrow. The sum is, we are now 30 days at sea and have sailed more than 400 leagues from Narnia. And after the Lone Islands, said Lucy, no one knows, your majesty, unless the Lone Islanders themselves can tell us. They couldn't in our days, said Edmund. Then, said Reapy Cheap, if you don't know Reepy Cheep, he's a mouse, a valiant mouse. Then said Reepy Cheep, it is after the Lone Islands that the adventure really begins. So this crew of people on this ship are sailing into uncharted waters. They're sailing into the unknown. I kind of feel like I'm sailing into the unknown with a son going to college for the first time on Saturday. I wonder if there are areas in your life where you feel like you're sailing into the unknown. You kind of know where the ship is pointed, but it's uncharted waters and you're not really sure what it's going to look like when you get there. Along the way, these folks face sea serpents and slave traders and a, a body of water that turned anything that touched it into gold. Some things were exciting, some were scary, some were funny, but the common element of all was that they were coming on to experiences of things that they had never seen or experienced before. And you and I do this on a regular basis. This is our life, isn't it? Sailing into the unknown, whether it's just on a day-to-day -day basis with the small things that catch us by surprise that there's no way we could have known, or in the larger, bigger picture, rough seas of life. Maybe you're going to a new school this year. Maybe you've graduated and you're starting middle school or you're starting high school or you're starting college and you're not sure what that's gonna look like. You're sailing into the unknown.
Maybe you've had one career path for a long time and that door has closed and you're facing unemployment or you're facing a career change and you're sailing into the stormy waters of the unknown. Perhaps there's a relationship that's been really solid and has started to be shaky. Maybe your kids have turned away from God and you are sailing in the unknown of how do I walk this? Maybe your parents have gotten a divorce and you're not sure how to walk that. And there are emotions that rise on these rough seas. We have fear, sometimes anger, sometimes joy. Sailing into the unknown isn't always bad, but there's one thing it always is, it's unknown. (laughs) And the thing is, we can't know what we don't know. Right, it's super simple, but it's also kind of mind blowing. We can't know what we don't know. As a matter of fact, we can't even know what questions we're supposed to ask about it because we don't know that there's something that we don't know. I remember one time I was in Guatemala visiting a friend and we had visited the dump and the the families that lived in these little shacks in the dump. And as we'd been visiting, there were kids playing and playing soccer and smiling and laughing. And as we left, I said, how can they have so much joy when this is where they live? And she said, Jennifer, they don't know any different. They've never seen your house or your school or your yard or your car. They have no idea that there is a different world outside of this dump that isn't their reality. They don't know what they don't know. In the Bible, there's a king who came across something that he didn't know, and I want us to look in 2 Kings 22 together. If you want to follow along, it's on page 329 in your pew Bible. A little bit about this king. His name is Josiah. He was the last good king in the long line of kings in Judah before um, Judah went into exile. And when when, uh, Josiah became king when he was eight years old, there's 40 years that we have no record of any other good king or any prophet in Israel, so there's been 40 years of no guidance in the ways of God when Josiah becomes king when he's eight years old. And it says that he wanted to follow the ways of God and follow the ways of the good kings before him. And so he knew he had to break down the altars to other God and take down the high places, but there were several things he didn't know. And it says that in the 18th year of his reign, when he was then, uh, what would that be, 26? He commissioned some people to restore the temple, and in restoring the temple, they found a scroll. And that's where we're going to pick up the story in reading. So 2 Kings chapter 22, starting in verse 8. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the court secretary, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan went to the king and reported, your officials have, I summarize, done all the things that you asked them to do in the temple. And then verse 10, Shaphan also told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. So Shaphan read it to the king. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Why did he tear his clothes in despair? Because his eyes were open to something that he had not previously known. We can't know what we don't know. Josiah is a king who's leading a country and he's sailing into the unknown. And as he goes about his business as king, he becomes aware something that was unknown becomes known. And what it is that has become known makes him weep and tear his clothes in repentance. He said to Hilkiah, go to the temple and speak to the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Inquire about the words written in this scroll that has been found. For the Lord's great anger is burning against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words in this scroll. We have not been doing everything it says we must do. 
the unknown became known and Josiah realized that this law, the law of God, which told them how to relate to God and how to relate to the Israelite community and how to relate to the other nations around them and the false gods that they followed, all of that was written in the law and he realized that they, as a community and a nation and as people, they had not been following God's way. And what was his response? His response was repentance. And I find this so interesting because I think you and I sometimes think of repentance as this negative thing that when we've been caught in a sin, when we've, had, when we've willfully done something wrong that we knew was wrong, when we get caught, we need to confess and repent and not do that anymore. But see, Josiah wasn't caught in a willful sin. He didn't know he'd been doing something contrary to the law of God. There was something he didn't know. And when he became aware of it, he repented. What is that repentance? That repentance is an open heart to God and a turning from the way that he had been living to live and to lead his country in the way that God wanted him to live. Friends, there's something about this thing of the unknown that I think is really important for us to grasp, and it's this. Some of you, like me, may have spent your lifetime feeling shame because I should have known better. Something comes up in our life. We're sailing into the unknown. Something becomes aware, whether that's a relational thing, a situational thing, a job thing, a parenting thing, or maybe you're a child and this has happened with your parents. Something comes up and you think, I should have known better. Friends, there's no should have known better if you didn't know it. Let me remind you, we cannot know what we don't know, and we cannot even ask questions to find out what we don't know if we don't know that there's something that we don't know. So when it becomes known, how will we respond? And I would say this, the enemy would want you to respond in shame, and that is not God's way. It says in Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when something becomes known, like it did to King Josiah, we turn with repentance and we change our ways, but we do not listen to the lie of shame and condemnation. And we see then in verse 19 that God answers, you were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I said against this city and its people, that this land would be cursed and become desolate. You tore your clothing in despair and wept before me in repentance, and I have indeed heard you, says the Lord. Friends, all is not lost when we discover that there was something that we didn't know, but at that point, we get to choose how to respond and what our next steps will be. On that same trip to Guatemala, um, I was visiting a friend who was with Youth With a Mission. Her name was Lynn. And she was taking me to see Guatemala City, and we were on a city bus. The city bus had a front door to get on and off out there and a, and a back door to get on and off back here, and there were kind of three steps down on this back door. And she and I were back a little ways from that with a seat behind us, and there was just people everywhere, probably five rows of people squeezed in between us and that door. And it was just crowded in a Guatemala City bus. And, and I'm traveling with Lynn, and she's my link to this country and to all the places that we're going, and this is before cell phones. I do not know a phone number of the YWAM base. I do not know the address of the YWAM base. I know that it's called Juventud con una Misión, and that's all I know. We're on this bus in Guatemala City, and Lynn says, this is our stop, it's time to get off. I said, great. She, having lived in Guatemala longer, put a shoulder to it and got off the bus. I, having been raised in America, went, con permiso, perdóname, por favor, and I was about a person behind the stairs when the bus started rolling. My only link to Guatemala City is outside the bus. What flashes through my head in an instant is, if I go to the next stop, am I supposed to come back and meet her here, or is she get on the next bus and come and meet me, and I don't know where I am, and I know, 
and I just panic. And I push in non-polite American girl fashion past the last person in front of me, and I am hurling myself off the steps of a moving bus because I don't know anything else to do. I don't know where I am. And as I literally, I'm jumping, friends. I am hurling myself off the bus. The people around me grabbed me and kept me from throwing myself off the bus, literally physically grabbed me. And I'm like, but you don't understand. I'm going to die. The bus travels about 20 feet forward and stops. What I didn't know was that we were at a bus station and the bus just hadn't been all the way in its docking spot. So I, I went, gracias. <laughs> I mean, what do you do? There's no way that I could have known that it was a bus station. I mean, I suppose I could have looked out the window and seen the signs, but I didn't. And so barring any signs, there was no way that I could have known where I was or what was going on. All I could think was, I am lost to my only tie in this foreign city. And yet some people who did know what I didn't know grabbed me and kept me safe and held me and said, just wait, just a second. It will become clear to you in a moment, but don't jump off the moving bus. Right? And there are times when sailing into the unknown, having people around us who see and know things that we don't yet know can be a huge asset and a safety feature for us as a community. This is why we do life in family and in community and build relationships with people that we trust because they can grab us before we throw ourselves off of a moving bus in panic about the things that we don't know or the stormy waters that we are enduring. So how do we do this? How do we do life sailing into the unknown as Christ followers? And I would say this, we sail into the unknown anchored to the truth. We anchor to what we do know so that we are prepared when we face what we don't know. We anchor to the truth. We anchor to the truth of who God is, we anchor to the truth of who we are in Christ, and we anchor to the truth we anchor to this place of preparing as God is leading us so that when the time comes, we can respond rather than react. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when the unknown becomes known to us, our reactions are fear or anger or let's just buckle down and control this more. And yet our response can be a knowledgeable response, even in the face of something we were blind to two minutes earlier whether it's in conversation or in a medical diagnosis or a tragedy or, or a joy, whatever it might be, we can respond out of the place of who we know God is and who he has made us to be and face that unknown. So who do we know that God is? Friends, that could be a whole other sermon series, right? God is infinite and, and completely unknowable in some ways, and yet he, he offers us pieces of himself to be known in his mysterious ways. But the three words I want to focus on today are really big, old-fashioned words. I learned them when I was a kid, and it's this, that God is omnipotent, that God is omniscient, and that God is omnipresent. So what do those omnis mean, right? So omnipresent, it means that God is all present. Everywhere we go, in every corner of the earth, in every facet of our universe, God is present. There's nothing that is outside the realm of where God is. It says that he's omniscient. That means that he's all-knowing. There's nothing that God does not know. From, from any situation in any part of the globe to the depths of your internal processing and layers of emotions and feelings and thoughts and expectations and anxieties about what's going to happen in the next five minutes. He knows all of it, and God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. 
There is no limit to God's strength and his ability to heal and restore, to create and to speak. And so when we can anchor to this all-powerful, all-knowing, always-present God, that can give us a courage and a confidence when we are sailing into the unknown. Because we know that even in that unknown that is not known to us, he already knows it. He is before us. He already sees it. He saw it before the foundation of the world and he has been preparing you for the time when you would sail into that unknown. And he is with you and in his all-knowing and in his all-present, he brings his all-power to that and there is nothing that is beyond his capacity or his ability to fight for you, to carry you, to provide for you. When we can anchor to this God, we can sail into our unknown with more confidence. The second thing we want to anchor to is to know ourselves, not just about a journey of self-awareness, but there are certain ways that you and I take in information from our world and respond to that information. There are ways that we engage with the world around us, and when we know what our strengths are, we can prepare for what we have to offer in the face of the unknown. And on the flip side of that coin, when we know what our weaknesses are, we can know the help that we will be needing in the face of the unknown. You see, knowing ourselves enables us to walk forward with confidence because we know what God has equipped us with and with humility because we know what we don't have. None of us are perfect friends. All of us have areas of weakness. And when we know who God made us to be, we actually, we know our, if we're those sailors on that ship, we know our assets and our liabilities, right? We know what we bring to the crew that the crew needs, and we know what we bring to the ship that's going to need the support of other crew members because that is our area of weakness. So let's take a look at some of these characters. This won't cover all of the personality types, but I thought this was kind of fun in preparing. Let's take a look at the characters from Narnia and how they on that ship were approaching this journey to the unknown. So the first one I want to look at here is Caspian. So Caspian was the king. He was the one who actually had authority even over the ship's captain, and he was the one who had charged them with taking this journey. So this journey was to find honor and avenge the seven lost lords of Narnia. They had been friends of Caspian's father. They were exiled by Caspian's evil uncle Myraz, and they were on this journey to find or avenge the seven lost lords of Narnia. That was an honorable journey. It was why they had set sail. And yet, Caspian did not take risks unnecessarily because he understood the responsibility that he carried for the ship, for the country, for the families back home of these sailors. And so Caspian walked with courage and responsibility. He was courageous. Friends, courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. Courage means the willingness to walk forward even when you are afraid. Caspian saw the danger. He must have had his own moments of fear, but with courage he proceeded because it was a journey of honor, but he also proceeded with responsibility and not in haste because he knew that the nation and the people and the sailors were under his care. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of boldness here. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. You don't have to participate. I get that. But how many of you would be willing to admit that as you face the unknown in your life, you have a sense of your responsibility and you understand that there are people who rely on you and what you decide matters and you, you move forward with courage and a responsible heart. How many of you would say, I kind of identify with Caspian. I get that. Yeah. Thank you. Some of you would say, I get that. I feel that weight of responsibility. Okay. Then there's Lucy. 
Lucy is the gentle, trusting one. Every time, Lucy was the first one to meet Aslan, our, our fictional picture of God, right? And every time Lucy and Aslan have an interaction, do you know what the core awareness is? Love. Lucy knows herself to be loved by Aslan. And so as she faces the unknown, she has a gentle trust based on the fact that Aslan loves her and is available if she asks for him to come and help. How many of you would say, I'm kind of like Lucy. I have this gentle trust in God and that's how I face the unknown. I just believe that God's gonna show up because I know how much he loves me. I see a couple of you that would say, I'm like Lucy. I'm sort of like Lucy. Then there's Eustace. Eustace is the victim. Eustace faces the unknown by figuring out who, can, who he can blame. Whose fault is this? Who's done the wrong thing? He's constantly picking up people. He's constantly finding fault. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you face the unknown like Eustace. But if you resonate with this a little bit, if you're having a moment of honesty in yourself right now that would say, actually, truly, when faced with a loss of control and a scary situation... And, and something that I don't know how to deal with, I do tend to find somebody to blame and to scramble and to seek to feel control of my situation by controlling others or blaming others. I would really invite you to hear this. Sailing into the unknown is a universal human experience. We will all face things in our lifetime that we can't control, that hurt us, that grieve us, that anger us, that excite us and bring us joy. We can't predict what the unknown will be. That's it. It's unknown, but it's not somebody else's fault. It's not a place to find blame and say, if that person would just change, I would be in control of my life and I would know everything. It's possible there are people in your life that are hurting you. It's possible there are people in your life that have grieved you, but would you lean into God and do business with what does it look like to take responsibility for what's mine and to seek for how do I trust God and release the need to find the person to blame so that you feel in more control? There's Edmund, the faithful one. Edmund has courage like Caspian. He doesn't carry the same responsibility as the king. But the thing about Edmund and his faithfulness is that it's born out of the fact that he knows what it cost for him to be purchased. Do you remember that first book? Brian preached on it a couple weeks ago, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Edmund was the traitor of the story, you guys. He's the one who betrayed his whole family to the white witch. I'm gonna pause and ask a quick question. Hey, sweetheart, are you looking for your parents? Um, her parents, are you here in the room right now? Come, come right up here by me so people in the balcony can even see you. What's your name? Evelyn. Hi, Evelyn, come right up here. Evelyn's parents, are you in the room right now? Okay. No. Not right now? Okay, so Mandy, see where Mandy is? Mm-hmm. Mandy's going to help you find him. Okay, sweetheart? Thank you, Mandy. That's the old school teacher in me, everybody. You don't just keep preaching when the kid's lost. So Edmund, Edmund was the traitor of the story and what it cost, his betrayal cost, was that Aslan died for his betrayal. And then as the Jesus figure in this fictional series, Aslan rose again. That's the message of the gospel, that because of our sin, Jesus was sent to earth and he died for our betrayals and he rose again. 
Edmund saw all of that firsthand. He understood his betrayal. He saw the white witch for who she really was. He saw his sin and he watched and he saw the cost of what it took. And from that moment on, from that place of grace and forgiveness that he received, he was faithful and loyal to the end. And I would say, I wonder how many of us, if given the chance to raise our hand, would say, my trust in God is anchored to my biggest failure. I am faithful because I know what it costs for God to save me and I saw him do it before and I know I will see him do it again and I will travel into any uncharted waters with God by my side because I know what he saved me from. I have been bought with a price. I have been purchased with his blood and I am faithful to him for all eternity. That is what I see in Edmund. And then there's Reepy Cheap, the valiant and fearless adventurer. Reepy Cheap, the mouse who, if you read the book, in every chapter there's a different islander thing that they're facing and there's always this scary moment when one character or another says, let's not go in. And every time there's Reepy Cheap saying, and will you tell me why not? Why should we not go into this dangerous place? Why should we not? You know, he's, he's this valiant, always leaning forward, always ready for adventure, never stepping away to giving way to fear kind of a character. As a matter of fact, it, it paints this picture of he, he and Lucy played chess often, and he was a great strategist, and he would usually win the games, but it says every now and then Lucy would win because Reepicheep would lose sight of the fact that it was a game, and he would play chess the way he does war, and he would dive in and put his knight in danger of the queen because he wasn't thinking of the strategy he was just thinking of what he would do. I wonder how many of us face adventure a little bit like Reepy Cheap. Leap before you think. <laughs> Dive in. Never back down. And, and I'm, I'm, if you're like Reepy Cheap, this isn't going to offend you. How many of you would say, I've done some of my unknown like Reepy Cheap. I've kind of gone in with fearlessness. Yeah, kind of dove in. And sometimes that works out well for him. And sometimes he gets into sticky situations. Obviously, there's more than that, friends. But... When we know what we bring, if I'm a reapy cheap, sometimes I need a Caspian to say, don't run into this battle right now. There's some strategy, there's some responsibility, there's some wisdom in waiting. But if I'm a Lucy with gentle trust, I sometimes need a reapy cheap to say, come on, now's the time to go. Let's run into this. This is the time to go do this. We need to know who we sail with. We need to know our shipmates so that we know what are the strengths that we have in our community? What are the weaknesses that we have in our community? Then we can know how to walk alongside someone when we know ourselves. Here's a true confession to bring this right home into a practical, practical journey that I'm on in this, in this journey of knowing myself, knowing my strengths, knowing my weaknesses. I've shared before here that one of my weaknesses is that when I am low on margin, when I've been going through life at just a pace where every day is full and I'm, I've, I've got the hat on of responsibility and haven't really been taking care of myself, I am really susceptible to a late night binge on Amazon Prime. Like by late night, I mean one, two, three in the morning. Just everybody else goes to sleep and I'm like, ah, I just have my time. And then, and I head to bed and I'm like, ah, why did I do that? I just shot myself in the foot for the next week. And I have been, I've been actually talking with a counselor about this and working on this and trying to, with some curiosity going, what is the pattern that I can see in this? And so just last night I said to my husband, 
I am going to bed right now because I am preaching in the morning and I have to go to bed right now. But I know that tomorrow night is one of those nights when I would be super susceptible to this. I've had a really full week leaning into this weekend. I have a really full week coming out of this weekend. And because of what I'm learning about myself, I know this weakness. You are one of my shipmates. You are one of the people sailing in this life with me. And I ask you to help me get to bed tomorrow night. I give you permission to drag me to bed if you have to, but do not let me stay and binge on Amazon Prime tomorrow night because that's not where I want to be. And so this journey of knowing ourselves well enough to humbly say, this is my weakness, prepares us to sail into the unknown so that when the unknown becomes known, we can respond out of our strength asking for help in our weakness. This is why it's important to know ourselves. And so we prepare how we will respond. Here's three ways that we can face this unknown. First of all, as we've seen in our stories, we do our research. When the, when the Narnians were on the Lone Islands, they asked everyone they could, what do you know about the seas beyond the Lone Islands? They were doing their research and asking good questions. Sometimes you and I need to just ask good questions. Is there something else I should know here? You know, I think about sailing into the unknown of dropping a son off at college this Saturday. And, and college gives some parenting seminars. You better believe I'm going to be at those parenting seminars because I understand that there are some things that I don't know and I want to know them. So I'm going to avail myself of what is, what is there for me. So do our research. You know, in 2 Kings, Josiah knew that he should pull down the high places, but when he discovered a scroll, he kept taking the next step. He read the scroll. He he asked of God, and then he led the nation in changing their ways. So as we do our research, as we learn, we are able to respond in godly ways. James 1.5 tells us, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Friends, Holy Spirit is our greatest asset on this journey that we are on. We are on a ship sailing into the unknown, the daily unknowns and the bigger life unknowns. And we can say, God, would you expose my blind spots? Would you show me what I need to know when I don't even know the questions to ask? God, what do I need to see or know in this situation that I'm not currently understanding? Can you give me wisdom? Can you give me insight? He invites us to ask those questions. So we research what we need to know to be ready to respond. And then we rehearse. We rehearse what we know. We remind ourselves and we remind others in our family and our community about who God is. This is why we keep doing church together. This is why we go into Bible study for not just three years until you've read through the whole thing, but year after year after year because you can never plumb the full depths of Scripture. But the more you know God's nature and His character, His laws and His guidelines, the more prepared you are to face your unknown when it becomes known. So we rehearse what we know. You know, we rehearse with each other. What do we see about them? When we send somebody an encouragement card that says, hey, I saw you lead worship. I'm so blessed when you lead worship. It always leads me to the throne of God. Or maybe somebody got baptized and we say, I loved seeing you testify that, that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Maybe you just notice somebody in the lobby who just always makes people feel welcome. When we take a minute to write an encouragement card to the people around us that we know, we are rehearsing with them who God has created them to be and where he has called for them in their lives. So we rehearse what we know. You know, when I was a kid, my dad was teaching me to drive. I was, I was a teenager kid, 
legal to drive. And one of the things that he taught me was one of the most dangerous times for a driver is when something unexpected comes out of the peripheral, right? So maybe an animal runs in the road and that swerving creates huge amounts of danger. And so my dad would say, Jennifer, visualize an animal running in the road and not swerving. Visualize not swerving. Visualize not swerving. And what I'm saying to you today, you guys, is rehearse not swerving. You cannot know what these stormy seas will bring your way, but you can know who is with you and who he has made you to be, and you can rehearse not swerving away from the truth that you are anchored to. In the movie, I want to show you a short clip. It's this idea of rehearsing, helping our friends rehearse what they know. Uh, this is Reepy Cheep the mouse and Eustace, who has become a dragon, and they are facing the evil the movie climaxes to, and Eustace gets a little bit scared, and Reepy Cheeps helps him rehearse what he knows. Watch this clip with me. from fear. A gentle, trusting soul does not hide in the face of conflict and rejection. A wounded, weary warrior does not withdraw because of accusation. I am a mouse. You are a dragon. You have skin like chain mail. Let's go and meet our destiny. Friends, do you have a friend who will look you in the eye and tell you who you are and what you have to offer in the situations that are in your sphere of influence. Because I will say this, from the foundation of the world, God has known what your unknown is. And from the foundation of the world, he has put in you what you need to meet that moment. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you have what it takes for the seas that you sail on. Do you have people around you who will reflect that back to you? And so as we summarize our response, I'm going to just quickly go through these on the screen behind me. We have talked about facing our unknown with courage. We have talked about facing our unknown with humility, the awareness of our own weakness. And we've talked about facing the unknown with grace, that there is no shame in what we don't know. But from those places, we would be remiss if we did not say that we face our unknown with hope. We face our unknown with hope. Today would have been my mom's 72nd birthday and her name was Hope. And I've just been so aware this week as I've been preparing this message that though we live in a broken world where there is grief, where there is pain, where there is violence, I don't know if any of you read the news this morning, but I did before I came to church and there was more violence and pain in our world again. But there, we don't live in this world without hope. We have hope because we know who our God is and we know who he has made us to be. Look with me on the screen as we finish with Romans 3, 3, 5, 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Could I just put there when we sail on stormy seas? 
For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this confident hope of salvation will not lead to disappointment for, does it say because it's all going to work out good in the end? Does it say for no one will get hurt? Does it say for you will not grieve if you follow Jesus? No. What does it say? It says, this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. How do we sail into the unknown? We sail anchored to the truth. We sail anchored to what we know, which is the love of God. In one of the final chapters of this book, they've sailed to the dark island. It's a place where dreams come true. Not your daydreams, your night dreams the ones that cause us all to wake up in a sweat. And as they're sailing out, they find that they're not getting out as fast as they got in. And they're terrified and their visions are rising in their head. And it says this, Lucy leaned her head on the edge of the fighting top and whispered, Aslan, Aslan, if ever you loved us at all, send us help now. The darkness did not grow any less, but she began to feel a little, a very, very little better. Aslan, Aslan, if ever you've loved us. Friends, I want you to think about your unknown right now. Some of you have a very big unknown looming. Some of you aren't sure what it might be. But when you think of the emotions that rise in that place, there was a light that came and the light came to the ship and it turned out to be an albatross and it circled the top of the ship and as it sailed, as it flew away, they followed the albatross out of the darkness. But no one except Lucy knew that as it circled the mast, it had whispered to her, Courage, dear heart. And the voice she felt sure was Aslan's. Friend, there's somewhere where God is whispering to you, courage, dear heart. Courage, wounded warrior. Courage, weary soul. Let's pray. God, you know what unknowns lie before us. And you know all the layers of what that creates inside of us, our thoughts and our anxieties, our worries, our fear, our joy, our hopes, our being afraid to hope. Would you be present with us, Lord, in this room, in each individual heart, your, your omnipresence allows us to know that you are with each individual person in this room. Would you speak to the places of the heart that need courage? Would you speak to the places of the heart that need to anchor to your truth? God, we look to you, we need you, and we entrust our lives to you, we entrust our ship to you, we entrust ourselves to you as we sail the seas that are this world. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. We are a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. If you have a request that we could pray for, please email us at prayers at salemalliance.org. If you'd like more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit us at salemalliance.org.